Welcome to Convention Pulpit Teen Edition, brought to you through the ministry of Time of Discovery, a division of Interchurch Holiness Convention. Subscribe to this podcast or visit our website for an entire library of great sermons and for more information on this ministry at www.ihconvention.com. Jonathan Slagenwhite has been a successful pastor and has faithfully followed after God's calling for his life. In today's message, he challenges us to follow after God's dream. dreamers. Any dreamers here? I love to dream. I don't like to have dreams, but I love to dream. There's a difference. A couple weeks ago, I, I had a dream. Here's the difference between dreams and having dreams and being a dreamer. Uh, I, I dreamed that I was an associate pastor at a church, and I was responsible put together a singspiration, and I did all of my work, I contacted everybody, and then I left and I was gone for a period of time and I came back the day that the singspiration was to happen. And it dawned on me, I didn't tell everybody where they were supposed to sing, in what order. And in my dream, I'm frantically trying to connect with everybody, but I had a hundred other things to get done. And then I start hearing reports, services started, and they're just kind of, nobody knows where they're at. And I woke up exhausted and frustrated from my dream. I hate dreaming. I hate having dreams. But I love to dream. Uh, I spent a number of years in South Florida. I used to do landscaping over on Jupiter Island, one of the wealthiest communities in America. And I used to, as I would be riding the lawnmower back and forth, I used, to, I used to dream, what would it be like if somebody would pull up and say, I'd just like to give you $100,000. Now, see, I, I wasn't being greedy. I mean, they could have stopped and given me a million, and it wouldn't have affected their bank account a whole lot. And I used to think, oh, just $100,000, that's it. It never happened, but that's why I, I love to dream, because I can come up with anything that I want, and I can dream about it. How many of you are dreamers today? I would dare say that if I were to ask any one of you, all of you have dreams in your life. You've got a vision, an idea of what you want to be what you want to do with your life. Oh, you may not have all the specifics down. You may not know exactly what you want to do specifically with your life, but here's how it probably would go. You want to grow up in a nice family. You want to go to college, find a, a good job that pays well, find a, the perfect spouse, that handsome guy, that pretty girl. You want to raise your family in the suburbs. Uh, and then when your kids grow up, you don't want them to move far away. You want them to just move around the corner. And you want to have a great relationship with them. And they're going to find wonderful spouses. They're going to have grandchildren for you. And you're going to enjoy them. And before long, your life will pass. You'll have the home of your dreams, living in the community of your dreams, living the life of your dreams. And when it comes to die, you'll be surrounded in that dreamy environment. That's about how it goes for you, isn't it? 
That, that's what I want. That's what we all want. But the reality is, it doesn't always work that way. And I want you to know this morning that there's a God in heaven who has dreamed a dream for your life, and he wants you to live it out. There's a problem between the dream that I just explained and God's dream that he's dreaming for your life. You dream from the American standpoint of what you want. God dreams from an eternal vision of what he wants. And so what rages inside of most young people is who's going to win and whose dream will be played out. This morning I want to, or this afternoon, I want to invite you to turn to a passage of Scripture in the book of Genesis. I've been doing a series of messages in my church on the life of Joseph. He is the quintessential dreamer when it comes to Scripture. I want you to turn to Genesis chapter 50 because I want to look at the last part of Joseph's life before we come back and look at the beginning part. This morning I want to talk to you about living a dream life. What does it look like and what does it take to get there? Genesis chapter 50, begin reading in verse 15. Maybe you need to pull out your smartphone. This is an occasion you can pull out your smartphone if you need to, uh, after which you can take notes, right? That's what they're for, right, guys? The, the notes. Yeah, I thought that. I thought that's what they were for. Was so you can have your Bible and then take notes. Genesis chapter fifty, beginning of verse fifteen. And when Joseph's brethren saw that their father was dead, they said, "Joseph will peradventure hate us, and will certainly requite us all the evil which we did unto him." And they sent a messenger unto Joseph, saying, "Thy father did command before he died, saying." So shall ye say unto Joseph, Forgive, I pray thee now, the trespasses of my brethren, and their sin. For they did unto thee evil, and now we pray thee, Forgive the trespass of the servants of the God of thy father. And Joseph wept when they spake unto him. And his brethren also went and fell down before his face, and they said, Behold, we be thy servants. And Joseph said unto them, Fear not, for I... For am I in the place of God? But as for you, you thought evil against me. But God meant it unto good to bring to pass as it is this day to save much people alive. Now therefore, fear ye not, I will nourish you and your little ones. And, ye, and he comforted them and spake kindly unto them. It's easy sometimes for us when we read passages of Scripture the lives of characters in the Bible to say, you know, God can use specific people like that. And it's okay that God gives those kind of people dreams, but I'm not that person. God doesn't dream grand dreams for my life. And so what we tend to do with Scripture is we'll, we'll take characters of Scripture and we'll say, well, that's them, and that's there, this is me, and this is now. And we're worlds apart. But the reality is, is it's not so different. Because God has thought thoughts of you, Scripture says, so numerous that they're as numerous as the sand of the sea. 
And in the process of God's thoughts for your life, God has dreamed a dream that he has for you. And there's a danger that we run that we assume that when it comes to God's dreams for our lives that we're going to do one of two things. Either, first of all, if God has dreams for my life, they're going to be something really huge. I mean, they're just going to be gigantic. I mean, God's going to ask me to go to Africa. He's going to ask me to be a pastor. He's going to ask me to, to do something just off the wall out there that I could never do. Just like he did with all these characters in Scripture. And we say, oh, God, please don't dream that dream for my life. Or what we say is, God only uses particular people. They have to be guys like Joseph for him to use. Surely he wouldn't use me, common, ordinary, Bob, Joe, Steve, or Melanie. Surely he doesn't want me. Furthermore, we'll say, you know what? God couldn't use me because of where I come from, my background, my history, my family. Some of you are probably saying, Pastor Jay, you, you gotta, you got to wait a second. You've got to understand where I come from and uh, my background, my history, my life. If you understood that, then you would know that God doesn't have a dream for me or if he did have a dream, it's turned into a nightmare. I've made a nightmare of it. My family's made a nightmare of it. Some of you are probably saying, I come from a rather dysfunctional family. My life surely would not be God's dream. If you look at the life of Joseph, if you want to talk about a man who came from a dysfunctional family, Joseph came from a dysfunctional family. If you go back in Joseph's family line, you go back to his father. Jacob was, was a conniver from the day he was born. He was a swindler and a scoundrel. Swindled his brother out of his birthright, ran away, eventually found himself at his uncle's house, married a, a lady, thought that he was marrying the lady of his dreams, just like you want to do. How would you feel if you woke up the next morning and realized that you married your, your fiancé's sister? Oh, oh, talk about ruining it. That's a terrible thing. Now, you want to talk about a nightmare, depending on who the sister would be, it could be a nightmare. <laughs> and if you chose bad at the beginning, you would be happy that you ended up marrying the sister. Who knows? Joseph, or Jacob, realizes that he's married this woman that he desires. He's married her sister. And it was his now father-in-law's fault. And so he goes and he works another seven years and he finally gets the woman of his dreams. But the problem is, is Rachel, Jacob's real love, can't have children. But Leah, the one that Jacob really didn't want to marry, could. So it wasn't long until Rachel said, you know what, there's a problem here and I need to do something. Jacob, I want you to take my servant, Bilhah, and I want you to have children to her. And so she does. And Bilhah has children. Leah stops bearing children, and so she gives her servant Zilpah. And finally, God opens the womb of Rachel. And now we have Joseph, a man who has a mother, three stepmothers, Ten stepbrothers and a brother. And guess what? They all live 
as one big happy family. <laughs> you talk about a dysfunctional family. Joseph grew up in a dysfunctional family. But it doesn't matter your history or your background as to God's dream for your life. He's not looking for somebody who grew up in suburbia or somebody who grew up in the, in the perfect home. He's looking for people who he says, I have a vision for your life. And guess what? He's not saying it's just random who I have a vision for. It's every one of you that sit here today. God has dreamed a dream for your life, specific for you, that he wants you to live out. That dream comes by the way of some challenges and process in it being fulfilled in your life. Not only does your family history not jeopardize God's divine destiny for you, but I believe that God will use the circumstances of your life to lead you to the fulfillment of his desire for you. I want to look at, at the life of Joseph this afternoon. We'll do this just as, as quickly as we can. But I want us to see some things as we look at Joseph's life. I want to walk through his life and look at some of the things that he faced, the circumstances that led to the fulfillment of the dream. You remember the dream, right? Joseph dreamed this dream, Genesis chapter 37, that God would one day raise him up to be a leader and his brothers and his mother and father would eventually bow before him. And that dream happened when Joseph was just a mere 17 years old. How many 17-year-olds are here? Just raise your hand. Any 17-year-olds? If you're older than 17, raise your hand. Okay, there's a number of you that are there. As a 17-year-old man, God... God began to give Joseph a vision of, of what his destiny was in life. But let's look at some of the circumstances that he had to go through to get there. The first one is this, is it takes time for God to fulfill his plan in your life. Here's a young man, 17 years old. God gives him a dream that one day, one day he will lead in some way to a degree to which his brothers and his family would bow before him. God didn't give him the specifics. He just simply said, this is what's going to happen in your life. But it took a number of years. In fact, if, if we counted up the years, he was 30 years old until God finally fulfilled to put him in the place second of command in Egypt. But it took time to get him there. A couple of months ago, I updated my computer. We live in a world where we like everything fast, don't we? How many of you like things slow? You go to a drive-thru and you like to wait about 30 minutes to get your food. Anybody like that? <laughs> or, or you get one of those K-cups and you put it in there and, and you just wait 20 minutes for your cup of coffee. I don't like that. A couple weeks ago, a couple months ago, I updated my computer. I'd gotten a new phone, and I had to update my computer to install some software. And I finished the update on my computer, and it took me 30 minutes to get one email and print four emails. If you know me any at all, I am the most impatient person there ever was. When I'm driving... If there's somebody in front of me, I wish I had a button that I could vaporize them. 
They don't belong on the road. I don't care if they're just going 55 in a 55 zone. They should be gone. Move off to the side. I've got some people in my church, and some, one of them happens to be here this afternoon. That He, he shares my, my feeling, and, and so I, I feel comforted to know that I'm not the only one. We like everything fast. We want it right now. But God oftentimes takes his time in fulfilling his plan and his will for your life. That's true when it comes to who you're going to marry comes true is what you're going to do with your life. God's not looking to just instantaneously, boom, put it all in your lap. Because a lot of times the way in which he leads you and the things that he'll call you to, it's going to take time for it to form. And Joseph learned that in his life. When God begins to dream a dream in your life, it takes time to fulfill his plan. We oftentimes like to have God's will worked out in 4G timing when God works on 3G timing. Or maybe even dial-up, though you guys don't know anything about dial-up. <laughs> well, the young people are saying, what's dial-up? What is that? That's, that's old school, okay? That's old school. That's my time. God doesn't work oftentimes in high-speed ways. He's slow. He's patient. But second, God's destiny will oftentimes lead you on detours. Not only do I not like slow drivers, I don't like detours either. But as you look at the life of Joseph, if we were to take the time this afternoon and begin to, to look at his life, you begin to see that God was in the process of working behind the scenes in Joseph's life, but it led him on some rather difficult detours. You remember the story well. Joseph's father loved him more than he loved the rest of his brothers. So what did he do? He gave him a special coat. In fact, if you read the beginning parts of, of Genesis chapter 37, one of the things you see at first, he's out in the field. He's, he's helping his brothers in the field because he brings back a bad report. But you read just a little farther in and it's not long until he's no longer going out uh, to tend to the sheep, his father is saying, hey, Joseph, I, I want you to go and check on your brothers. They're, they're over here pasturing the flock. You, you're special now. You've got a special coat. Uh, and, and so I want you to go check on your brothers. And Joseph does. And his brothers begin to see him coming from a distance, and they say, here comes the dreamer. <laughs> Let's see what becomes of his dreams when we're done with him. You know the story well. They took him, they stripped him of his garment, they threw him in a pit. I want you to notice something. Maybe you want to just turn in your Bible or scroll back to Genesis chapter 37 for just a moment. When they threw Joseph into this particular pit, I don't want to read into this too much, but I believe there's a spiritual application to this. In Genesis chapter 37 and verse 24, this is what's recorded. And they took him and cast him into a pit. And the pit was empty. There was no water in it. You know, young people, sometimes God's plan for your life will lead you to places that are dark and dry. Sometimes spiritually dark and dry. When I was a young person, I was 16, 17, maybe 18 years old. 
was right in that phase of time in my life where I said, God, I, I want to do what you want me to do. I felt like God had already started calling me into the ministry. I wanted to please him, but I went through a period of time where spiritually it was dark. And it was dry. And I can remember praying and, and feeling like it was hitting the ceiling and just dropping right back into my lap. And I thought, God, where are you? What are you doing with me? It wasn't until I got out of that dark, dry place and I've, I've come to where I'm at now that I could see that God was preparing me. I've had an opportunity to talk to some young people, that, older people who've been in that place. It's dark and it's dry. What's going on, Pastor? It's okay. God's in the middle of testing you in the moment. God's destiny sometimes will lead you in a place that's dark and maybe dry for a period of time. God's detours lead us where sometimes we never intended to go. If you would have asked Joseph, Joseph, how do you want this dream to be fulfilled? I doubt he would say, well, I want my brothers to hate me. And I want them to throw me into a pit. Oh, and then to top it off, have them, have them sell me into slavery. And then I want it to be iced with this mean, cruel woman who lies about me and has me thrown into prison. That would be great. Boy, you know, God, if you just work this out that way, that'd be awesome. I'd be so happy. Joseph, Joseph didn't, didn't desire for that. And sometimes when God begins to dream a dream for our lives, there are times that we want to say, wait a second, God. I, boy, I don't know about that. I remember those years as a young teenager, 15, 16 years old. God began to churn in my heart what he wanted to do with me. See, I had my life mapped out. I had a great dream in mind. I was going to go to Penn State University, get my Associate of Arts degree as an electrical engineer. I was going to find a job, go back and get my four-year degree. I had it all mapped out until God began to, to just put a finger in my back and say, what, what, about, what about me? What about pastoring? Oh, Lord, no. I grew up on a farm. I hated the farm. And I started saying, the Lord, I tell you what I'll do. I'll farm and I'll preach on the side. No, God? Okay. Uh, I'd love to excavate. I'll be an excavator and I'll, I'll preach on the side. No, that doesn't work either. Okay. Uh, really, Lord? <laughs> I mean, I'm scared to death to get up in front of people. I don't, I don't, I, 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 I don't, I don't think I, Lord, <laughs> this is a bad idea, Lord. Are you sure? That wasn't my intention, and yet God began to say, you know, Jay, this is, this is what I want for your life. Let me tell you something, young people. I would never be satisfied to be an electrical engineer after what God has allowed me to do with my life now. Some of you here today are probably weighing some of these thoughts. God, what, what do you want me to do with my life? God, are you sure that you want me to be a missionary or a pastor? Or, are you sure you want me to go into that? Maybe God wants you to 
to be an electrical engineer. And guess what? That's a good thing. I've got a guy in my church. He just works for a company down in Anderson. He really would like to get to the place where he can have his own, his own business to where he can help out at the church. And God's not given him a specific call to anything specifically in the sense of long-term ministry, full-time ministry. God's given him a dream to be a part of the church. Some of you right here, God's going to say, I want you to be a faithful member of the church. Because every church needs faithful members. But God also needs people who are willing to say, God, if that's your dream for my life, to be a pastor or a missionary or a teacher, God, I'll do it. Yeah, it may not be where I intended to go, but God, I'll, I'll do it. Let me tell you something, young people. God's dream for your life is far better than anything you'll ever dream for yourself. I promise it. I never thought that I wanted to be in this position, but I've come to realize doing what God has dreamed for my life is more fulfilling than doing what I wanted to do. Sometimes God sends us places that we don't want to go. There are times that He also he sidelines us. Part of God's dream sometimes is to put us aside for a moment to prepare us. You remember the story of Joseph? He's, he's seemingly being successful. It appears, though he's a slave, though he's working in Potiphar's house, if you read the passages of Scripture, Genesis chapter 39, Genesis chapter 40, you begin to see that God blesses what he does in Potiphar's house, and he's doing well until Potiphar's wife lies about him, and pretty soon he finds himself into pri in prison. He's in prison, and, and he realizes he has an opportunity Pharaoh's chief butler and baker, they're, they're in there too. and They have dreams and he interprets the dreams. And then he says to them, now listen. He says particularly, particularly to the butler, he says, listen, you're about to be restored. When you get out of here, <laughs> listen man, you've got to get me out of here. This is not God's dream for my life. And I'm stuck here and I don't belong here. So when you get back to Pharaoh, you tell Pharaoh, hey, there's a man in prison that doesn't belong there. You need to get him out. But God saw fit that for two years, Joseph would sit in that prison and stay there. But get a load of this. It's a result of his being in prison that God fulfilled his dream. If God wouldn't have, have sidelined him for the moment, he would never been in a position to give an interpretation to a dream that eventually would make its way to Pharaoh. Sometimes, people, you, you find yourself in places you think, there is no way that God can ever use this. God can't use me because of this area. Pastor Jay, if, if you understood my family or my background or the things that I've done, God could never use me. God uses every part of you to fulfill his dream. Your brokenness, your bad choices, the struggles you have, every single one of them. Some of you say, yeah, but you don't understand. I've, I've been abused in some way, sexually. 
physically, emotionally, verbally, mentally. Pastor, you don't, you don't know what I've gone through. I don't have to. God does. And he will use that and mold that and shape that into fulfilling the dream that he's dreamed for your life. Sometimes God seemingly sidelines us, but he uses it all to fulfill his plan. I want you to notice something about this sideline moment in Joseph's life. He didn't stay in prison forever. And if, if you're here and you think, well, I'm, I'm, I'm benched now. <laughs> My life is... I'm done, okay? Uh, it's over. I, I've been benched. My career's done. Let me tell you that God doesn't bench people forever. If you're willing to get back in the game, he'll, he'll put you back in the game. He'll take every broken, every broken aspect of your life, every ruined part of you, restore it. Let me just say that this afternoon, for God to fulfill his destiny, let me give you the final point. He has to lead you by the way of the cross. Some of you are saying, how does this pertain to Joseph? Because the cross is distinctly New Testament. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 22, there's a, there's a passage of scripture, and this is what the Hebrew writer says. He says, by faith, Joseph, at the end of his life, made mention of the exodus of the Israelites and gave directions concerning his bones. That's an odd passage of scripture. Why would Joseph give directions for his bones after Egypt? Because at this point, Israel's not been to Egypt. The point that's being made here, I believe the reason the Hebrew writer used this is he was saying to us today, Joseph had a vision of something greater than just his moment. Joseph had a vision of something beyond just the present. Say whatever you want, the Old Testament was not written as separate from the New Testament. The Old Testament is pointing us to the New Testament. It's, a, it's pointing us to the gospel. And I believe in some manner, in some way, Joseph had a vision of what was to be. And God had to lead him by the way of the cross. You see, without grace, Joseph couldn't understand his dysfunctional family. Without grace, Joseph couldn't understand the pits and the dry areas of his life. He couldn't understand the sidelines. Because it doesn't make sense outside of grace. But Joseph had surrendered his life. He had come by the way of the cross, if you will, to say, Lord, here's my life. It's yours. You can bench me for the moment if you want. You can put me in a dark pit. You can do with me what you want. But God, I know that you have a divine destiny, a dream for me. And I, I'll submit to whatever it is. Let me illustrate it this way to us. Your dream really is not about you at all. See, there's the problem between the dream that I opened with and God's dream. Most of the dreams that we dream are all about us. I, I, I want to do this. I want to be this. And God's dream is, I want you to be what I have designed for my glory. 
And so we have this battle, and, and many of us somehow think, if I could illustrate it this way, have you ever been in a play at your church? Yeah, you know, every play has main characters, and we all want to be the main character, unless you're one of these timid, shy people, and you're like, oh man, <laughs> let me just sit in the back. Can I run the spotlight, please? <laughs> Listen, I've pastored some young people. They've been that way. You try to put them up front, oh, man, you might as well just throw them under the stage. I mean, they're, they're done. But, boy, you put them in the back where nobody sees them, and they're okay. Most, most people like, man, we want to be right center stage. But you and I, our lives are like the extras that make up that play. But we will invite everybody to come and say, hey, come you know, play tonight. Come on, you got to come watch. Oh, how, how long's my part? Oh, you'll only see me about three seconds, but it's okay, I'm in the play. You want people to come to see you, even though you're not the main character. You say to us this afternoon, God is the main character, and he wants to fulfill his dream, his play in your life. But you've got to submit to the role that he's called you to. You've got to be willing to fulfill what he's designed for your life. You'll never understand God's desire for your life until you come, as I mentioned a moment ago, by the way of the cross, and say, God, my life's your life. My dream is your dream. My desire is for what your desire in my life is. That doesn't come real easily. Oftentimes that means that we have to wrestle with surrender, obedience. To say, God, I'll, I'll do what you want me to do. Thank you for listening to Convention Pulpit Teen Edition, brought to you through the Ministry of Time of Discovery, a division of Interchurch Holiness Convention. For more sermons or for more information, subscribe to this monthly podcast or visit www.ihconvention.com. This ministry is made possible through the support of our listeners. You may give online at ihconvention.com or send your donation to IHC, 18931 Route 522 Beaver Springs, Pennsylvania, 17812.